to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I am joined by two guys who are planning the Andy Reid parade on Broad Street. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Hey, everybody. This is Chuck Siders. You can find me at Chuck Siders on Twitter. You can find the show at Potadelphia. And, oh, man, this this win for Big Red, the longest tenured coach without a Super Bowl victory, yada, yada, yada. <sighs> I'm over it already. And this is Gene Zielank. You can find me on Twitter, at Producer Gene. And, uh, frankly, Dave, the time is yours. Nice. Well, I'm going to start with the injuries. <laughs> I'm I'm slightly ill, so uh, I please pardon any uh, sniffles you may hear on this uh, on this broadcast. But but like okay, all kidding aside, um, like I, I'm pretty sure if you listen to the show, you know where I stand on Andy Reid. Like, are either of you were either of you rooting for the Chiefs tonight? Are you genuinely happy for Andy Reid? Let's just have this conversation now. Uh, I. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not upset that Andy Reid won. I was not rooting for the Chiefs. I was rooting for the Niners for a couple reasons, but my rooting interest wasn't that strong. Sure. And and I don't begrudge Andy his Super Bowl. And I honestly thought I'd be happier when he won. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we got to win this. You know, they have to win this one for Andy or yada, yada, yada. I just, I thought... I'd go, okay, you know what? He's put his time in. He deserved it. I thought I'd be happier, but I'm like, I just didn't care. You know, the, the idea that, well, if the Eagles win one first, it'll it'll make rooting for Andy easier. I'm, it just made it irrelevant. I'm like, what's this guy have to do with me? He won a Super Bowl. <laughs> Good for him. You know, I'm not mad at him or anything, but I'm, I'm not happy. It, it, it really didn't affect me that much one way or the other. Right. Gene, where where was your head? What kind of headspace were you in while you're watching the Super Bowl? Uh, I, I invited one. One of my very good friends is a rabid Chiefs fan, um, and we've been friends for a long time. So uh, I had him over, and uh, honestly, for for us a, a long stretch of my life, I would say that Kansas City was was sort of like my my uh, my baby sister team, like my my other team. Um, I, I really did follow when the Eagles were particularly dreadful and the Chiefs had uh, a couple of good years uh they were the team I would kind of root for in the playoffs so um I had a Chiefs starter jacket in, in in junior high school I have I wore actually tonight I wore a shirt that I I got on my sixth uh uh, uh not sixth birthday my uh my for Christmas uh in sixth grade I actually still have it it's the you know ringer t-shirt that's a Kansas City t-shirt and it's it's beat to hell um, so there is like some strange kind of like a long time sort of affection for for the squad. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons it developed was because they were one of the teams that was not in Tecmo Bowl. I don't know if you remember when in original Tecmo Bowl. Yes, they did, uh, which they I was did, playing the other day, so yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. They did not have all of the original teams. No, so Including I, the Eagles. Including the Eagles. So I kind of attached myself to an AFC team that was also not in um in Super Bowl and uh, in Tecmo Bowl, when Tec- Tecmo Super Bowl came out, Kansas City became kind of the team I played with. They had Krishna Koye, who was untackleable in that game, and uh, so there was there was just players that I kind of followed. Uh, so I also certainly... a top five nickname for uh, Krishna Koye, the Nigerian Night Train, Nightmare, Nightmare. 
Oh, the night train, though. Yeah. It's like that was his. That was his. The D- Nigerian five dollar hooch. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was his DJ name when he went on to do like a Delilah uh, competitive show. I also like. Uh, I also like how the Chiefs were your uh, your your little sister team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the were they? Were the Chiefs team. happy to go to prom with you? Uh, well, you know, I remember for junior prom at least it was kind of touch and go who was going to go with me at all. So, <laughs> and I don't have that many female cousins so <laughs> i will say I, I will say i was so for like all right i'm kind of not a huge andy fan uh but i will tell you that the city the, the city's overwhelming support for andy reed kind of buffered me out into this like very anti andy camp is that fair like wip's andy reed appreciation day is ridiculous let me just say this right now if you got pulled into that andy reed appreciation day the jokes on you wip doesn't give a shit about andy reed and they don't give a shit about you they did it to be part of a conversation whether you're with andy or against andy if you're talking about it it worked so i guess we're talking about it so it worked on me too but whatever well i didn't listen to wip but If I still occasionally did, I would be right in the same place you are, Dave. I I get. Yeah, I mean, Angela doesn't hate Andy Reid as much as he lets on that he hates Andy Reid. Angela's all an act. And 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 Spike Eskin doesn't love Andy Reid as much as he's letting on that he loves Andy Reid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, WIP is professional wrestling. (laughs) You know, it's it really is like, oh, you got Charlie Manuel out of town. <laughs> oh, gee. And, and God, even uh, when it was Anthony Gargano was there, like, he's a made-up personality. You're all chief, bud. Oh, what the hell? Oh, cuz. Cuz. No, man. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But if I were around it more, if I were around people who are genuinely like, oh, got to root for Big Red, got to root for Andy, got to... I'd be like, no, I don't. I will root against him for spite. And, you know, I I, I see it a lot where... Now, yeah. yeah. Well, let me... So my my entire, like, Facebook and Twitter timeline is congratulations, Andy, congratulations, Andy, congratulations. Me too. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You're going to be all excited next year when Andy Reid and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl winning two, winning three. You're going to feel good vibes then? Hey, I mean, seriously, how, how are you going to feel about that? Well, I'm not, but uh, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily in it for Andy Reid anyway. Like this, I'm just saying, like, th- those who yeah. are, yeah. Um, it, it, are you still going to feel like, well, Andy deserves it. He was, how great is he? Uh, what, what a, look, look at all he did for the city. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to be honest. Like, there did was, he fix some potholes? Like, what did he do <laughs> for the city? There I'm was... sure his sons did on work detail. But... <laughs> oh, my God. Chuck with the first low blow. I like it. Um, <laughs> No, I mean, like, I, it's the same kind of thing. Like, I, a lot of my – this did not enter into uh, my stratosphere. And I thought today it was going to be much more sitting down and watching and really rooting for Andy. But, like, once kind of the kickoff went, like, the only the only comment about Andy Reid that happened in the room that I was in was just, like, anytime there was some sort of conversation that needed to, to end around uh, timeout usage. Like, there, you know, there was not – he didn't really become part of the game for me. It was really about – 
what was happening on the field. And honestly, uh, you know, it was a pretty good game considering the absolute trash that we watched in last year's Super Bowl. It was kind of refreshing to have some offense uh, and, you know, some pretty good defense, too. It was it, I, it was an, actually a very entertaining Super Bowl. It kept me interested for the entirety of the game, which was something I hadn't had uh, since the Eagles were in it. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the thing with WIP in particular, I was fairly Andy neutral going into this whole situation. He had been in Kansas City for long enough that I had, when he first went to Kansas City, I was particularly Andy negative. I just didn't want to have to think about it. And I was particularly kind of pissed that he was going to a team that I still rooted for or had some affinity towards. I didn't want to have to have anything to do with him. So, you know, it's been long enough now that I've kind of – and we've kind of adopted an, an Andy disciple uh, as our coach that it, it, it's, it's sort of become kind of like this big stew in my, in my memory. But this whole nonsense of like all of the, the city kind of rallying behind Andy Reid as if he needed our support to get him over the hump um, was a pretty big turnoff. And – I, I don't I don't know that I necessarily needed an Andy Reid appreciation day in Philadelphia right now. Uh, what I did probably need is like some actual genuine analysis of the sports teams that are playing for the city of Philadelphia right now, because I feel like that's been really lacking. Uh, it's one of the rare weeks of the year, and this seems like it happens every year. It's one of the rare weeks of the year where Philadelphia's regional, uh, you know, uh, provincial radio suddenly decides that we're going to talk national sports. And you can really see how bad Philadelphia is at talking about national sports. The hosts aren't good at it. The listeners are even worse. And uh, it just makes for a lot of podcasts for the week for me. Well, I just feel like we wanted so badly to glom on to this to this Super Bowl somehow, some way. It was like the thirstiest thing I've ever heard when I was listening listening to the radio. It's like you are not involved in the Super Bowl. Like, take a step back. It's nothing to do with you, Philadelphia. And in a lot of ways, these are the same people that were happy to run Andy Reid out of here on a rail. And were so excited to have Chip Kelly. And then so excited to be done with Chip Kelly. Uh, and these are the same people that are so excited to be uh, done with Brett Brown. Like th these are people that just—they are very fickle. And and when and, you're going to let beloved Eagles like Dawkins walk and Trotter walk, that actually cost us opportunities. Like I, I don't know. I, I think people are like retconning a lot of Andy's time here. Yeah. How many? What percentage of Andy's time here was good? Do you want to say like sixty forty good to negative? I mean. He had the, I mean, 01 what, to 08 was, was really good. Yeah. And that's seven years. And then he had another seven, right? Yeah. And he was 14 seasons. And I would say of those 14 seasons, well, maybe what, nine to five. That's probably nine good ones. Then five, just grasping at straws and, you know, making your offensive line coach or defensive coordinator like there's another good memory yeah i forgot to uh, add that one to the list google remind me of uh juan castillo becoming our defensive coordinator google remind me of juan's smile <laughs> google. google remind me of juan being fired 
Oh god, that I mean before we get into the commercials, I don't even know if we're going to. We but are. That <laughs> one that one I felt exploited the whole fucking time. It was reminiscent of that one great Google commercial from like the total love story of like uh where to go in France, how to speak yeah, French. Yeah, the Parisian one. Yeah, right, yeah. Which was brilliant. <laughs> this one it started off I'm like I know what the fuck you're doing. And then it kept <laughs> going. I'm like, you are manipulating me openly, and I do not appreciate it. And then by the end, it's like, <laughs> you're a hater, Chuck. You're supposed to love Andy Reid, and you're supposed to love that Google commercial. I love one of those two things. Okay. Andy and Reed. resent both a, a sure. fair amount. Yes. Gotcha. Um, but, I mean, so, all right. And Andy Reid aside, the, I mean, I think the game was like a, I don't know. It felt like a very organized straightforward game uh right up until the very end uh so Andy did not have to do any um i don't know high degree of difficulty clock management was largely taken out of his hands i mean don't you think you're you're furrowing your brow did he have to do any sort of two minute drill or Uh, no i i agree i'm i didn't mean to Furrow my brow. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have a very expressive face. You had a look um, of consternation. I was just, you know, <laughs> I was wondering if I had enough wine to get through the Maybe podcast. A look of constipation. I, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm there. I'm there. Different. Um, well, I was. What honestly was going on was I was thinking back to Shanahan's use of time and timeouts to end the first half, and. I think you had said something that was taken out of Andy's hands. And that was, I've never seen two teams in the Super Bowl just go, yeah, we're cool being tied. Like, we're just going to run this clock down and do nothing. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, the 49ers had a lead. It wasn't like they yeah, didn't the, have much time. The, it was at like, the end of the first half, the Niners had like, I don't know, about a minute and a half left. All three timeouts, they force a. Uh, they force a punt from the Chiefs, but before you know, after the third down, they don't call a timeout and they let you know basically 40 seconds run off the clock and, and leave them nothing essentially for a, a you know a one minute drive. I guess they had like 45 seconds left, 40 seconds left to, to go the length of the field. Um, so I'm not really sure why they didn't call a timeout there. They had all three. I don't yeah. get it. And then once they got the ball, they weren't calling timeouts either. Yeah, that's that's what Doug calls winning time. I think he he <laughs> he just his mouth foams up when when that sort of thing happens. Yeah, you got to get a score there because that's when you can get a score and then get the ball back. To he start gets the second he gets sometimes ridiculously to uh, to the point of uh, his detriment aggressive in those situations. We've all seen how Doug operates, and you know three timeouts, one forty five. Doug's thinking. I'm in four down territory for my 20. Um, can we score twice? Yeah. How many times can I get the ball? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just interesting because in today's NFL, I really feel like things are kind of veering that way. This was a very – there's a lot of very conservative things that were done from two offenses that I kind of thought were going to throw some strain. And it looked early in the game with the amount of trick plays that Andy kind of had in his script that we might see some, some wacky stuff. But uh, it seemed to kind of settle into a pretty – Pretty traditional game plan. Uh, yeah, a game that San Francisco controlled for the large part of it. Yeah, well into this fourth quarter, they were up 10 points. And and really, it didn't feel like Kansas City was going to get back into this game at one point in the fourth quarter. They just felt like they, they couldn't move the ball. They didn't have any interest in moving the ball. And San Francisco could kind of do whatever they wanted. 
Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a San Francisco fan right now, you're probably really, um, really feeling bad because you lost the Super Bowl, but also because you had a great chance to win it. And uh, you know, I, look, you you can cite these plays that are you know, well, if this went that way, it'd be great, or you know, if that would happen. I mean, Mahomes fumbles twice. You know, once goes out of bounds. The other one, he's able to recover. You know, if you get either of those, it's a different story. Um, I think that there was some real missed opportunities in the fourth quarter uh, with drives that went three and out and did, really did not take much time off the clock. Kind of got away from that running game, even though it was working. And I think yeah. Aikman actually pointed that out. He, you know, yeah, he like, did. Oh, he you're getting five, five, six yards on first down, and then you're just going to go play action pass on second down, and then you're in an obvious passing down for third. And, you know, I, I just don't want, I don't understand why these guys move away from their strengths. Also, often coaching must be really hard. Some something <laughs> tells me that they they I I feel that most coaches think that they they are waiting for that moment where they can throw that curveball that that the other team's not going to be able to hit. And and in most cases, sometimes I feel like you you overthink it. And if you just do what works, especially in a game like this, sometimes you just got to stick with with your strengths, and you're going to have more success. And Sometimes getting cute or trying to to go against your your tendencies isn't necessarily the smartest move. Yeah, I, I mean, I I will say that this was the probably the first San Francisco 49ers game I've you know watched in its entirety. Um, maybe I, I, watched, I think it's the second. I think I watched their first playoff game. I watched most of the playoffs, but um, yeah, I don't Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know, he's not really the guy. Yeah, he's not Joe Montana. He's not really Steve no. Young either. And in the in the in the exact same building or city, yeah. as the drive, right? Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the one thing that my dad and I were talking. My dad was was here too, and and one of the earliest memories of the Super Bowl is that game. I remember it was one of the first Super Bowls that I I either was allowed or managed to keep myself awake to watch the entire thing. And uh, was uh, at least moder- moderately aware of how the game was played. Uh, I remember saying to him, "Like, Dad, this is the game. This is this is the setup that that Montana, you know, Montana to Rice." And they were talking about, "Hey, that's John Candy in this in the stands." And my dad had not didn't really know that story, so I had to kind of like bring him into the fold. And then I know maybe on the chat and, I, and certainly in the room where we were, we were kind of talking like what would be the the equivalent of John Candy in the crowd tonight. I think I went Jay-Z. My buddy went, uh, uh, um, I think it was uh, the comedian, Chris Hart. Wasn't Chris Hart there? Um, I don't know if anybody could have seen him because isn't I mean, he like Kevin five? Kevin Hart. Or Kevin Hart, not Chris Hart. No. Uh, Kevin Hart. Isn't he like five foot two? So I don't know. Yeah, if, you wouldn't have been able to see him. I don't him. know if you'd yeah. be able to spot him in the crowd. Um so I don't know. I mean, John Candy must have been pretty, pretty obvious. I imagine he was. You need a big guy. Like you need um, a big guy. guy yeah. That does like fluffy. Like yeah. What's his name? Iglesias. Yeah, Julio oh, Iglesias. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he's alive, but yeah, that would have been good. He's a. He's a John John Panette. <laughs> John, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. That's deep. Too deep. Deep of a cut. Uh, Why not? It's they just have to pick fat comedians. (laughs) Like, all right, fat guy, kind of funny. Um, Well, we're looking for John Candy equivalents. Well, and I don't think either of those are John Candy equivalents. Well, there is no John Candy equivalent. He's a you know unique. He he is. He is. I mean, 
Kevin James if he were in oh, the movie. Okay. Oh, yeah, one. there you go. That's the guy. But of people who are actually there, I And think... actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't I can't verify who was there. I don't know. Well, I saw Jay-Z. That's why I said Jay-Z. I know he was in the building, but Jay-Z seems like the type to show up halfway through the second quarter and leave right after halftime. But maybe that's just me. Was Rob Lowe there wearing his NFL <laughs> his non <hat>? his nondescript <laughs> NFL hat? I do have some uh, I do have some fashion Adelphia observations if we want to get into those. Yeah, why not? Sure. Let's get into it. Yeah. All right, so they all relate to Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> first of all, oh, I like it. He's going to the the all white party. First of all, he was either just got off a of Diddy's yacht, or <laughs> he got off just got off like the seventh green after caddying for uh, for Tiger. He looked oh, like no. he looked like he had like that caddy white shirt on. Like I expected him to see Woods on the back of his of his of his jacket, sure. um, like the jumpsuit. But really, the more the more infuriating thing was: did you did you notice anything about his hat that he had on today? No, I, mean, I saw it. What, 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 so it was like that all all red hat, and then it had a very small right in the middle of the of the of the of the hat logo of the 49ers. It was very small, as if somebody had screwed up in their graphics program and like not sized it correctly. Like to be okay. to take up the whole front of the hat. Well, I noticed I noticed that it was like a trucker snapback hat. Yeah, it was also you like don't that, see all that often. Like that whole the whole setup on him was like let's make him look ridiculous, even though he's supposed to be coaching in the I, Super Bowl. The ladies love him though, Gene. I know the ladies love him, but this is not a case where the ladies love him and all men want to be him. I think most men want him to carry their bag behind them uh, while they putt. Uh, I'll swap. <laughs> He looked appropriately <laughs> dressed for Miami. That was my thing. It seemed like, you know, he was ready with the casual wear for the heat. I wanted to see Andy in a Hawaiian shirt, but I guess they have to save that for the Pro Bowl. Yeah, they they do. And I was going to mention this earlier when, you know, where was I rooting for Andy? The closest thing I came to rooting for Andy was Gritty dressed as Andy in a not very flattering portrayal. <laughs> <laughs> um and i'm like you know what just to see more gritty andy reed hybrid maybe i'd like andy to win it all <laughs> so <sighs> okay did you guys miss wing bowl this year is this the second year we've had to go without wing bowl or the third uh i think it's the second and no not even a little do you have yeah, any do I'm you have fine. do you have any memories of wing bowl or are you uh, and I got to be honest, I am one of those people that was this should have been dead like 30 years ago. But do you do you have yeah. any particular memories of Wing Bowl? Anything that sticks My, out in your mind? I feel like it's one of those things that we, we weren't recording when it actually when it actually, you know, was defunct. And uh, we never got a chance to really levy our opinion. It was a tradition for a long time. The week between the 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 end of the championships and uh, the Super Bowl that they would have Wing Bowl in the old Spectrum in Wells Fargo Center. It's been replaced by Wing Pole. I don't know if any of you guys were able to get out for that. I've seen I, the billboards. I was I was busy, unfortunately, but uh, I hear I'm going to was... guess it's at a strip club. <laughs> it you got was, it, Chuck. It was. <laughs> Wing Pole was at a strip club. Food at a strip club. <laughs> yeah, go figure. What to be eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I just didn't know if you guys had any takes on on Wing Wing Bowl as so... uh, as an icon of Philadelphia <laughs> sports fandom. My biggest memory of, of Wing Bowl is not the event itself, which is what it is. Um, 
the my biggest memories are of the WIP morning show basically turning into some sort of strange Howard Stern um, aping where guys would come in and set up some sort of self-imposed eating challenge to get on the show where they're like, oh, you know, I'll eat uh, 27 like cod sandwiches at six o'clock in the morning. And then uh, I'll bring in my sister who is super hot. And then Angelo will ogle her and basically demean her for 20 minutes on live radio. That, that's my biggest memory of the, of the wing. Which I, I never really understood the whole point of bringing in lots and lots of hot girls on radio. Like, I, you, could, you could bring in really ugly uh, girls. Stern because, makes it work. Uh, but... Well, yeah, I know he does. But it's just one of those things where at, at some point you have to go, this, this, this bit, like, it just doesn't, it doesn't do it anymore. Like, but I'll tell you, my, my biggest uh, memory was always the... Uh, the you would get the photo sets that would come out uh on uh on on the blogs like the following day and somebody would be i think on bucket duty um because oh, there yeah. would always be every guy that would you know all these dudes that come and do these stunts when the lights go up and you've got to really and the pressure's on and you got to eat those wings man some guys just can't hold it down and there was somebody whose job it was to be on bucket duty and just make sure that they got Although, and man, whoever it was, he had a real knack for being able to get every single guy that that or, or girl that uh, that lost it. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, it's strange to me that that was one of those things that we were known for, and that eating challenges in and of themselves uh, are are kind of a thing. I know that the Nathan's hot dog thing seems to have some more cachet, but the whole the whole eating well, I, I think i think nathan's hot dog has more cachet because people don't start tailgating for it at midnight <laughs> for a 5 a.m event and it's we mentioned the scantily clad women we mentioned like the strip club also too it was like like PG so you're saying nathan's is PG more classy <laughs> it's like it was like pg to pg 13 smut that a bunch of like drunken 20 year old and god help me like 30 40 and 50 year old as well <laughs> uh frat boy douchebags went nuts <laughs> over it it well outlived its prime the first year they went and filled the wells fargo center that should have been the last year of the competition it was gross it was it was it was everything to hate about sports radio and the, it's such a symbol of our failure as a sports city. It really is. It's because what I see in the stands, what I see amongst, you know, on, on Twitter, but also in groups of fandom, you know, it isn't all just meatheads. You know, I, I described to a friend who moved up to, to the Philadelphia area from like the Jacksonville area. And the Eagles were having an off year the year he moved up. And it's like, wow, you guys are really football crazy. And I'm like, you you have no idea how big a sports town this is. And when the Eagles are winning, you'll see two nuns at the bar breaking down the game. It's everybody. It is not just guys being loud and guys being brutish. When the Eagles hold the city – when the Phillies hold the city, 
when the Sixers, not so much the Flyers, but when when the city is following one team, everybody's following it. The Wing Bowl was the epitome of Howard Eskin going, oh, what are you making for dinner, honey? You know, you remember that bit when he would like ask every female caller what they were making for dinner? You know, it's dumb and it's obnoxious and <sighs> I hated the Wing Bowl with a fiery passion. Not at first, not at first. I remember being in a um, a friend's parents' car asking them about Wing Bowl 2 of... Uh, do you think Heavy Kevy's going to win it again or whoever the hell it was at the time? <laughs> Heavy Kevy. And being surprised that this guy's dad was like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, you, you're not following the wing bowl? But um, yeah, to go on for like 30 years after that, it was a mistake. Did you at any point in your high school career stage a wing bowl? I mean, the closest I feel like I ever came to was the time the three of us went to Papa John's. And uh, tried to eat all of the food that we ordered without leaving any of it behind. Uh, I think that was the closest I ever felt to what I imagine it would be like to to be in the wing bowl. Uh, I tried when I was in high school to organize at lunch one one day a sort of eating contest, but uh, I couldn't coordinate it with all the contestants having the same lunch period, so it kind of fell apart. Um, plus, I think it would have been broken up swiftly by the priests. Um, that's right. I went to a Catholic school. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that those are, those are probably my, my similar feelings. I, I can't, it certainly had outlived its, its legacy and, uh, I'm, I'm not sorry to see it go. And, um, yeah, I, I, I hope that someday that we, uh, we all achieve some sort of festival of our sports fandom that is much more worthy of our station and not that. I, for the life of me, cannot remember if we finished that food. I remember the trip to that Papa John's. We definitely finished it. Nice. Because then I think we talked about starting a career of eating contests. Yeah. I remember Dave barking at you, eat the breadstick, Chuck. I believe. <laughs> I Look, it was two pizzas, two orders of breadsticks, three guys in college. We should be able to finish that. We should have been able to mop it up. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Uh, what what else about this game? How about the halftime show? Good halftime show. Yeah, I thought a very good halftime show for um, Shakira. I knew like the one or two songs that everybody knows, but I thought she did a great job. Um, J Lo, you know, I don't really think of her as a singer much anymore, but uh, she did a great job as well. It was a very, you know latin very miami halftime show and i thought it was i thought it was really good so what do you think of j-lo as more primarily if not a singer uh actress oh um fly girl um <laughs> i don't know I, who... I i still think of her as a singer first i don't know maybe that's just me i i think that that's honestly and i think she's not a bad actress i've seen her in some she's really great and out of sight i hear she's really good in this movie hustlers um but i've always thought that her 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 mega stardom came from her music career. Sure, I mean, look, it's these these are not artists I, I listen to on the regular. However, I think it was a very well produced, organized. Nothing terrible happened. Um, there were some people upset about the the butt shaking. Uh, I don't know. It seemed pretty innocuous to me. 
thoughts on thoughts on any of that i, I, mean, I don't think it's going to turn into a scandal or anything it's literally the brand i mean like sure this is j-lo and and shakira who have literally i think made a living by having excellent rear ends um i think that's part of what you hired you know what you were expecting uh i, I think if you were sitting around with your middle schooler to elementary school student and knew who was coming up as the halftime show and didn't if you were going to be prejudiced against that sort of thing, if you were going to determine it to be inappropriate and not put on the puppy bowl for those that half an hour, um, I, I feel like that's on you. I mean, the NFL wasn't hiding who they were having at halftime. We've had much more scandalous halftimes with way worse singing. Sure. How many times have we had to sit through the guy from Maroon 5 at this point? Um, I feel like everything he does is way more offensive than what I saw this year. <clears throat> Um, you know, you know what's weird though that I do want to bring up the the Super Bowl kind of uh, um, the I don't know I don't know how you want to call it like the Super Bowl overlay or whatever with the like the graphics that they used were just straight borrowed from Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yes, even down to like the because the um, the. That art style of that game was yeah. very like I'll take a real picture and then kind of cell shade it or make yes. it look like a cartoon. Yeah, and you all saw the throughout were... the entire game when yeah. they would bring up like a player's profile or something. Um, and the, I just think it's it was kind of weird to take a, a, a an ultra violent mature rated video game and just make that your overlay for the Super Bowl. I get the Vice City thing like it's. Miami Vice, it's the whole correlation there. Um, but to But that's not exactly what I'd call like modern, like current pop culture. That game No, that game is what 15, 15 years, years old. Ten, yeah. Ten years old, it's not like it's like something that's the tip of everybody's brain. And I think most of the people that were impressionable on it are, are now in their twenties. Maybe it was a nostalgia piece. I don't know. There was a lot of strange kind of like clashes of ideas to me in this Super Bowl. Because honestly, I felt it was a little heavy-handed with the uber patriotism in the in the pregame show, and maybe that's just me. But I felt like it was really heavy heavy-handed with like having the whole like all of the wives of the ownership come on and do. I don't know if you guys were even watching at this point. Um, they had the Medal of Honor winner, and then they have you know all of the singings of the national anthem, and. All of those things individually, I feel like, are nice, but I feel like, and maybe this is just me being cynical about the NFL itself, like the product that I'm being handed, uh, I just don't feel like that is the, the what the players that are actually playing in the NFL, like, it didn't feel like that represented those players anymore. Like, they these are not... The, the the players of the 70s. This is not the Terry Bradshaw, Roger Stallback players, the guys that, you know, kind of had that same aesthetic. And it, it just seems like it's it's such a counter. It's just so counter to what you when you actually listen to the players that you're following on the field, it seems so counter to the way that they conduct themselves. And then when you get into the game itself, as you get further and further in, you have like I would like you were saying, you have the this Vice City motif, this this I'm at the club motif, which it seems yes, close to what maybe is interesting to the players on the field or more like their lifestyle, uh, but totally counter to the way that we had the pregame show. I just I felt like none of it had any kind of it, it was totally disjointed to me, and I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old guy, and I, I just, I, I, 
noticed these sorts of things. I don't know if, if anybody else took note of that sort of thing. Well, um, yes and no, whether I noticed it. Um, my son was big into wanting him to watch the Super Bowl this year. Uh, he made it through maybe the first two possessions before falling asleep on the couch. Uh, <laughs> he didn't sleep very well last night. Um, but um, he he kept going, when's the Super Bowl on? When's the Super Bowl on? So I thought to turn the pregame on at like six, just, you know, to, you know, let him watch something and have it really be, you know, close to the game. And at that time, there was a big tribute to like fallen soldiers. And I, my son's only five. You know, my daughter was there too. Uh, she's only two. I didn't want to watch like, you know, and have to explain daddy, you know, what's going on here. I'm like, well, this is about people who died fighting wars when it comes to the Super Bowl. But the NFL and patriotism and the armed services have been in bed together for a long time now since since we went back to Iraq. Um, you know, it was a concentrated effort by the U.S. Armed Services to promote the brand uh, with the NFL and tie the two together. So it did seem extreme, at least in that half hour leading up to the game. Every time I checked back, it was, you know, they're celebrating World War II veterans. And yeah, Gene, like you say, these things in one off seem fine, but it's like this is just just football. Like, why are we bringing this? You know, football equals American patriotism in there. With that being said, with, you know, Trump in office and his opinions on the national anthem and people who don't stand for it and whatever the case may be, I kind of imagine it's, you know, counter programming to that to go, hey, no, we really are patriotic you know, you know, we're we're going to use our largest stage and the six hours of pregame as a way to show our patriotism or whatever the case may be. And then, yeah, a lot of these players do represent something else. A lot of these players say, hey, this this isn't me. Um, and I feel like the commercials uh, and I don't want to get into every one of them. I do feel the commercials had a rather progressive bent to them uh it very much felt like the year of the woman in commercials uh celebrating you know women and their place in sports and and whatnot and then i believe there's even a like a uh, commercial talking about you know police violence and and that sort of thing so yeah maybe it was disjointed but we're a disjointed country and they're trying to sell football to everybody and there was the other commercial with uh ellen and her wife and it's just like okay this is it it's like this is this is normal yeah right? the... they just didn't take any they, they didn't they make could... a big deal out of it. it was just like this is what we're showing you right it wasn't yeah. there was nothing about that about the commercial it was just ellen and her wife you know, the funny thing is that is a hundred percent true. And I didn't give it a second thought just because Yeah, honestly. Oh, well, you're on like an elevated level, Chuck, yeah. you know, higher than us plebes. 
Well, yeah, I'm 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 quite woke. No, just <laughs> Ellen Portia de Rossi. There's a couple. I mean, they but are they it, are very good friends with Jerry Jones too. So I mean, that yeah. helps. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing I took away from that commercial is it didn't sell like, oh, what do we do before Alexa? It showed what did rich people do before Alexa? Yeah. Like it was everyone in their servant, and then they show like <laughs> two celebrities. Like what did people do before Alexa? It's like oh, we just would have had servants. <laughs> like I, I kind of know what they were going okay, for, but good point. The other the other thing that I, I noticed, and and maybe this is a bigger conversation about the rest of the week. And when we went on the air, or when we recorded last week, um. The, the situation in California with, with Kobe and all that stuff had just happened. Uh, I, I would I would dare to say that if I went back and listened to us again, uh, we probably got a few things uh, in the details wrong. But I think that our sentiments are probably still the same as we felt uh, last week. But I guess the bigger question is now we've had a week uh, of, of seeing how all of the different walks of life, all the different venues, both on the media and on uh, in sports, have kind of honored this this guy who has clearly shown that he was bigger than just being any NBA player, that that his passing has kind of opened up something nationally. And what were your thoughts on taking that minute almost right before the coin toss to have the guy come over the loudspeaker and have a moment of silence for Kobe, his daughter, and uh, for that uh, for a, a former player in the NFL? I don't remember, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't remember that ever happening in the Super Bowl before where they kind of took that in-memoriam moment for like the passing of... Uh, a, a former NFL athlete, a former NFL legend. Certainly other NFL legends have died over the course of the history of 100 years of football. Um, did you think that that was an appropriate thing for the NFL to do on, you know, one of the largest stages? The Super Bowl is traditionally the most watched television program worldwide. Um, or do you think that maybe the NFL was kind of, maybe they should have, you know, were they were they out of their element by doing something like that? Well, you know, most uh, most celebrate like most NFL players who have died tragically recently have died because they have played in the NFL. So you don't really want to call too much attention to that. But I think the the country as a whole is in a complete race to see who can honor Kobe the most. Yeah, I'm I'm happy you went with that cynical take first, Dave, because <laughs> it's what I've been feeling. I mean, well. we're practically at the flags flying at half mast. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I think what we mentioned, the Mavs, you know, the the yeah, Mavericks, retiring like the number, retiring yeah. the number, of seeming a bit extreme. And I get it in L.A. I do. I get the the various teams and whatever doing that I get individual players doing a tribute because um, something I heard, I, I think on another podcast was like, you find out that Kobe was your favorite athletes, favorite athlete, you know, like uh -huh. so many sure. guys really looked up to him. I'm like, well, that makes sense. You know, Ovechkin, you know, skating in the pregame with the number 24 Jersey and he's traditionally number eight. That's a little detail, but as the week went on, as we got further away from it and the became these more and more organized and corporate moments of remembrance and, uh, you know, remembrance and 
these structured Kobe Bryant memorials, the the grosser it got to me. Yeah. It's good like, for business, right? Yeah, it really did feel like that way. It did it, really it, it feel felt like there were like these corporate meetings where people sat down and were like, "Well, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever did their uh, their Kobe memorial. Are we going to knock eight cents off of our gasoline this week to to you know yeah. remember Kobe?" It it seemed like that ludicrous. Obviously, I'm exaggerating. I don't know that anybody did something like that, but it really did feel like people saw saw this as a marketing moment in some ways, which I thought was almost as upsetting as the event itself that this is how we react to things as a country yeah i i agree i agree and i don't know if the nfl's moment of silence was particularly egregious they don't need you know to to get the marketing bump for honoring kobe and they're you know it's the biggest sporting event you know the week after the man passed away so Okay, that makes sense, kind of. But no, as the week went on, it became more and more exploitive. It became more and more everyone wants to talk about Kobe Bryant's passing, and we're going to do so too. So just bad timing on the NFL. Like, if it was a genuine moment, it didn't feel that way. Hmm. <clears throat> um, all right. Well, I know we touched on it a little bit, but any any uh, anything we want to say about the commercials? They were fine. A surprising number of crossovers. Like I'm noticing this more and more where you have your Bud Light and Tide commercial. Yeah. I mean, Tide's yeah. been trying to pull this thing off all year long. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But also there, there were just a few others where I noticed, I think it was all one product line where you had bounty and, and, whatever i can't i can't recall if it well, was an i think that, that is a direct result and there's a couple of other things maybe i want to point to for the evidence maybe we're trying to we're finally getting to a point with where the nfl or the 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 broadcast company whoever is charging the rates that they're charging for these ads we're finally seeing some of these corporate people that are like you know what i can i can get the same thing putting this money other places uh, a lot of your Super Bowl ads are not debuted in the Super Bowl the way they used to be. They're they're put out a week to two weeks ahead of time so that when people are sitting down watching them, it's not quite the event that it was uh, even five years ago. So and the and the price of of you know the price has gone up. And one of the things that's interesting is there was a lot of talk about how you're we're going to see a lot less movie trailers than you know there were a lot of talk about movie trailers had been one of the bigger advertisers in these sorts of events where, you know, oh, stay tuned, you know, the the sneak peek at the next Bond movie. And I know they actually showed theirs, but uh, apparently a lot of movie studios, movie studios balked at the price this year. I think it was $5 million for 30 seconds. Um, and I remember being big news when it was a million for 30 seconds. And, um, yeah, I think that what you're seeing is that these these corporations are teaming up or – we're actually starting to visually see that corporations are using that. We've consolidated many brands under our umbrella. And let me show you now, almost like they're unveiling to the world. Look at all of these things that we have collected for you. Uh, P&G specifically had a spot where they literally rolled out all of the mascots for all the different things that they now have acquired that you use in your daily life. And almost like to see like, ha ha, 
just if you wanted to boycott us, you can't because look at all <laughs> of the things that we, you use that we own. Um, and, 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 you know, so I think there's part that, which I think is a new strategy for things to take. And I think partly it was, hey, we'll spread the cost over a couple of brands. We'll we'll chip in a share or you chip in a share. We'll 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 share the wealth and 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 kind of have the ad go the other way. But it's it's just interesting to me. I think there's a lot of different strategies that we've taken. I like that they started to kind of uh, lean back into some more comedic um spots, although they did have the emotional ones too, but um yeah, all in all, not a bad group. But again, the thing that frustrates me the most is keep these things under wraps, man. Don't let them leak. I I actively was avoiding some uh, some commercials this week. So I I actually like that they leak because I can't always hear them at the at the actual you know if I'm at a party or something like that or um, I think it's you know you can say like oh did you see this one like make sure you watch this one because this one's hilarious. Um, I think I think Smart Park I I saw before. The Super Bowl, but I think that was one of the best ads. I I enjoyed it. I Even mean, though it's, you know, it's featuring dirty Boston people. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say I enjoyed it because it had like three actors I really enjoy. Right, you and know? Big Poppy, and Big Poppy. Who doesn't love Big Poppy? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed covering from his uh, stab wound. I was gonna say the guy that shot him doesn't love him so much. <laughs> yes, that is gunshot. Wound. <laughs> um, I. That was the only one I saw ahead of time. I avoided most of them, and I saw that, and I enjoyed it. I gotta say, the one that resonated with me most was the Cheetos, like popcorn or whatever it is, where oh, the guy had yeah, Cheeto yeah, fingers yeah, and the, can't the touch this fingers. Yeah, and I thought it was funny, and especially the using it to get out of things. But the main reason I related to it is when my son was first born. I was so freaking paranoid about eating like Doritos because like you get those Dorito fingers and I'm like, what happens if he cries? What happens if I have to pick him up and there's going to be a big cheesy Dorito thumbprint on my child's head. So I, and then it turns out your baby is MC hammer. Yes. (laughs) As featured in that commercial. But I relate to that on a personal level because I avoided Cheetos, Doritos, not Fritos, but anything that gave you those cheesy fingers, like I just avoided because I did not want to be the fat slob who's like, oh, "Have you met my son?" I'm like, oh man, I got, I got Cheeto dust all over him. I I think I really like the uh, the Jason Momoa one where he was uh, when he was talking about getting home and being able to finally relax and uh, was stripping off all of his muscles and his taking his wig off and showing that he was actually a <laughs> male pattern baldness and. Uh, uh, my favorite bit was, of course, the cameo by his wife, Lisa Benet, when she came in and was able to was spotting him when he couldn't lift the bar. Um, uh, I, that went over like a lead balloon with with my wife. And she was like, that was really weird. Uh, so I'm just curious. I wonder if that's if that was a you know, that I would I like the idea that all of those muscle bound hunks are really just regular guys underneath. And, uh, you know, maybe that is my. Uh, my the fact that I'm constantly intimidated by good looking dudes, I, I I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's why that resonated with me because I like the the idea that, um, you know, comic book heroes have baldness too. You are you not know. bald, Gene. No, not yet. But okay, you know, metaphorically speaking, you know, you're doing a great job. Yeah, I, I, I really do I condition twice a week. So 
the deep dive into Gene's psyche that is every episode of Potadelphia. Um, <laughs> um, um, I did not care for that one. I find I found the body horror um, upsetting. Um, my wife also didn't care for that one. Uh, the the Snickers commercial where they were feeding the world a Snickers because it's like so fucked up it's like <laughs> it's like oh apparently the world needs a snickers and and it was evoking the i'd like to buy the world a coke yeah. commercial i i enjoyed that thoroughly uh, as did my wife yeah it was a good one all right super bowl commercials they're fun all right well let's move off uh move off of the super bowl um just want to congratulate uh one last time andy reed uh for taking that Tremendous weight off of his shoulders, but keeping it everywhere else. So good job, Andy. <laughs> Congratulations. I got to say the Andy Reid fat joke uh, took us like, what, 50 some minutes in the show to make. So that's pretty good. Yeah, I had good job, in the us. chamber, though, and I was like, I'll just save it for the end. Um, all right. So. Fuck. Let's talk about the Flyers. Back from their long break. Back from the long break. Uh, three out of four points, which is something to be happy about. Although they're in the second, they're in the second wild card position right now, right? They are not. Damn it! I thought they were. They were until uh, Carolina beat Vancouver in a shootout. But we got like a boodle of games in hand because we were off for two weeks, right? We do not. <laughs> God damn it! Well, we also uh, played like every you mean we night. We actually have to go win games October. now. Yes. God damn it! It. it but here's the thing. It's not like some years past where it's like, well, the Flyers control their own destiny. They're in this tightly grouped pack. But if they really turn it on, no, they've been a good team. They've been more in the playoffs, you know, more in a playoff position than out of one this year. And freaking Columbus. Jesus, why do they keep winning? Um, but the Islanders are falling a little back to the pack. These next two months um the last two months of the season we're playing a lot of division games we're playing a lot of these teams so um as tightly packed as it is the flyers really do control their own fate now today we got screwed because all three teams um three teams won that we really didn't need to win uh carolina columbus and uh pittsburgh Although we're probably not in a position to catch Pittsburgh at this point. Eh, well, maybe. If they have a bad two weeks and we have a good two weeks, we could catch them. But they're not slowing down. Nobody's slowing down in this race for the, the last two wild card spots. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the team ahead of us that's doing the worst is like the Capitals. <laughs> yeah, and they're <laughs> so far ahead, like ahead number one locked up. Yeah, so, yeah. Um. All right. Well, so what kind of week is coming up? Uh, a week that uh, we gotta gotta win some games because we're playing some very very beatable teams uh, tomorrow yeah. or Red today. When you're listening to this, uh, Detroit, worst team in the league, I believe. Uh, following that, the Devils, who the only thing they're competing with is Detroit for worst team in the league. <laughs> and then Washington on Saturday, which will be a big game. We play Washington well. I don't know. I don't know why, but we always we always do. And if we can leave this point uh, this week with definitely got to get to four points against the, 
against the two bad teams. And if we can get at least a point out of Washington, it'll be a good week. Um, and I, I have uh, confidence that well, we'll beat the two bad teams. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, so it should be a a, a good week. But it's where are we great. on the uh, where are we on the Carter Hart timetable? I think uh, it's you know once we get in close. I was just going to ask yeah. Chuck. I mean, I I think we're probably due for a an injury update on the Flyers front. We got we have a lot of guys that we have still have question marks injury wise. Well, um, Carter Hart was going to be out two to three weeks. This is week three. Um, he has not had a setback or anything. He's still expected to be back in that time frame. So, oh man, the the Devils game would be a good game to get him back. You know, because it's not throwing him in against Washington coming back from injury. And then after that, we have Florida, the Islanders, Florida, and Tampa, then Columbus and Columbus and Winnipeg. Shit, man. <laughs> after this week, it just gets harder. Um, so well, Carter you were Hart... playing the two worst teams in the league, so I would hope it gets harder after that. All right, well, fine. That's true. <laughs> That's very true. Um, but no, Carter Hart should be back by the end of this week. Uh, I expect him to be practicing with the team. Uh, if not starting, backing up. Had a good showing from Lyon. That was surprising. Um, but as for the other injuries, Lindblom's not coming back. Uh, Patrick, heard, we've heard nothing. You know, they've said maybe two, three weeks ago, they do expect him to play sometime this season. But as... You know, if we get to the third week of February and he hasn't played, I can't imagine that he's going to make any significant impact with this team. So those are the the real big injuries. Once we get Hart back, we should be okay. What about Ghost? Ghost is back. He just wasn't oh, okay. starting. Yeah, he was. Um, I don't know if they were a little worried about his health and want to give him extra time or just thought Hag was playing well enough to, to leave him in. But Ghost is back. Gotcha. Okay. Um, do, do you guys want to talk about the most annoying team in the history of Philadelphia sports, the 76ers, this year's 76ers? <laughs> sure thing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the Hawks suck, man. They're really bad, except they when they suck. play us at home. And they they whoop us. There like, is just we have something a hard time about, with them every time we play. Yeah, there's just something about, I guess, the way that lineup is constructed that we just we just suffer against. Dude, Trey Young is like the most annoying player in the NBA. When and when he plays against us, it he looks like he's an all time all time. Like there is no like I don't understand how the guy isn't in, in conversation about MVP, and then I remember that he doesn't play us for eighty two games a year. <laughs> I, I just don't get this. So this team on the road is terrible. Uh, we've lost to the Hawks and the Celtics, and, and then we still have the Heat and the Bucks on this uh, on this road trip. It looks like all of the Sixers were just having a grand old time at the Super Bowl today, so uh, they should put on a stellar performance tomorrow against the the Heat. It's a kind of a game that we need to win. A super important game. Yeah, because I think Miami night. is sitting in the three seed right now. Yeah, like we need to beat that team. Like we have to win these games. We are, we are sitting currently in the six. Yeah, which so means we would not have a home playoff series. Which, when you're as bad as we are on the road, it's kind of a necessity. 
Yeah, I, I just I, I don't really feel like we are going to win this Heat game. Then we go to Milwaukee, uh, the best team in the NBA, who um, uh, certainly so, would have vengeance on their mind after we beat them sure, on Christmas Day. Sure, you know, of course, you know, then we come home and play a bunch of winnable games, but you have to at least split on the road. It's just like it's got to happen. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this team. So I just don't know what to it, say. Which thing is uh, there? there are, a few things that frustrate me a lot with this team. Are you most frustrated by the fact that they, from any given game, will show you a completely different style of offense? Uh, sometimes they 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 try to play like a half court style. Sometimes they try to run. Sometimes they they try to outshoot people. Sometimes they try to play through the post. It's like they have absolutely no offensive identity half the time. The other thing that frustrates me, and probably the thing that frustrates anybody who's watched this team at all. Sometimes they just act like they don't give a shit. They just have zero interest in doing the things that they need to do to win. It's like they forget that this team is built on being maximum effort. Like if you are not playing defense to the maximum on every possession, you're going to get stomped. Like you, 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 and that's what keeps happening. That's what happened in the Atlanta game most frustratingly is it just felt like there were so many times up the court where they were just giving these guys two feet, three feet, just sticking their arms up, not no kind of aggressive defense. And I, I get it. It's it's January. It's February. It's, it's, it's a no-nothing game. But the problem is the East is so tightly bunched, there is no no-nothing games in this in this race. You you need every single win you can possibly gather and I, I the problem i guess maybe my biggest frustration is i don't know what move you can make to even improve this situation and i feel like we are handcuffed to this cart and we've just got to watch it roll down the hill i don't think that changing the coach is going to make that much of a difference and i don't think that we have any assets to trade and i feel like it, the whole process was to put us in a position to not be in this exact situation where we are a middle seed who cannot get past the second round and we have two bona fide superstars on this team and that's what's so frustrating <laughs> the things that are frustrating just don't don't seem to end it's just they take nights off they take weeks off they they uh, <laughs> They get lazy. They don't look for – they don't make extra passes. It's just settling for threes. This That Celtics game was unwatchable. It really was. I, I was settled in for that game, and after the first quarter, I said, I, you know, I need a break. i got to watch something else. I can't, I can't continue to consume this. If this is the way they're going to play, I'm not going to watch it. And they basically just were 10 down the whole way through. They were yeah. just basically 10 points out the whole game. It never felt like they were going to get any closer. Like, I know Richardson's out, but, man, come on. Let's get to I, I don't even want to – you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. We're, we're, they're going to play the Heat tomorrow and the Bucks, and maybe, you know. I think they need to stack up two wins to start to try to right the ship. They, they have and got if they it. do, it'll be a different conversation. Yeah. But but that will it only be temporary, right? Yeah. Will we be talking about, you know, the week after – you know, losing a bunch of games to to teams that were clearly more talented than on the right. I, I have to say, it's I great have radio, right? I, I have <laughs> I have begun to to wonder. You know, and I don't want. Not, I'm not going to say that I'm like a like. Let's get Brett now, but no, I no, am, no. but I'm beginning to wonder. 
is there another is there something else that could come in here and, and put these pieces together in another way that you could get more out of them? I, he does make some decisions with his personnel that I just leave me. Scratching well, my that, head. I, I feel like that's been the position of the people on this show for the last 18 months. So let's go to the penalty box. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Uh, tonight, we'll start with uh, Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this week? All right, in my penalty box, I'm going to put the hoodie himself, Bill Belichick. During the uh, Super Bowl pregame show, they were showing, I guess, what are they, um, what were they called? The, the NFL's all-time team It was introduced. Sunday. Uh, and uh, of course, Belichick in a stadium full of 49ers and Chiefs fans and otherwise generally NFL fans. Uh, he was greeted with a chorus of boos. And rather than being classy, which, you know, God forbid Bill Belichick be, uh, he decides to, uh, in his short of extending both middle fingers, he decided to flash three of his eight Super Bowl rings. Now, I get it, man. Like, you got a lot of rings. Uh, I'd say two of them we can probably call into question. Just certainly the one in 05. But seriously, like, you're being honored by the NFL, uh, which, you know, you should be dignified rather than... And I I get it. Like, there's a reason why everybody else hates you. You think it's because you're great. I think it's because you're a dick. So... I'm putting Bill Belichick into the penalty box for living up to his own stereotype. Okay, Bill Belichick, for flashing the rings but not showing any class, you're getting a two-minute minor because you can dress you up, but you can't take you out. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? Uh, I'm going to keep it with the Sixers, and I am going to go with Anna Horford, uh, the wife of Al Horford, uh, for some of her Twitter and Instagram posts uh, from Friday, uh, from Saturday night. Um, so the one, uh, did you guys see these? I did not. No. All right. So here's the here's the first post. It's her standing on center court at the Garden, wearing a a, a Sixers Horford T-shirt. Um, but it's just a picture of her standing on the Celtics logo at center court. And the caption is I period missed period this. Hmm. Hmm. And then a later tweet saying, I'm obviously always rooting for out, but it's so hard not to root for my guys in green crying face. I still love them. Damn. So, you you were on the Celtics for three years. Three Horford played for the Celtics for three years. Just signed a four-year contract with the Sixers. And before that, he was a longtime hawk. Yeah. I didn't see her out on center court when he they were in Atlanta the like night before. Is she like from Boston or anything? Do we I know this? No, I don't know. But just come on, they like you had a, you're with the Sixers now, like yeah, dance with, with the, the dance with the guy that brought you. Yeah, so Anna Horford, penalty box. All Enjoy right, it. Anna Horford. Um, there are like inside thoughts and outside thoughts. This should definitely have stayed an inside thought. Anna Horford, 
you're a sixer now, whether you want to be or not. Two minutes, get yourself up to speed. Chuck, who's in your penalty box? Uh, well, in my penalty box is a beloved item in my home. It's uh, the TiVo box. Ooh. TiVo, um, which if you if you uh, are unfamiliar with it, it's the reason probably why you have a DVR, although not a TiVo branded one. Uh, <laughs> it's the the go to uh, DVR. Once upon a time, it's slowly losing its market share, or quickly losing its market share. But they offer commercial skip. So if you've watched, a, recorded a popular show like uh, The Good Place, uh, we were just catching up with that one the other day, and it's been a little while after recording, you can go ahead and skip the commercials and the rewatch. They've put in little things, you hit this one button, boom, commercial's over, you're on to the, the part of the show. And this year, once again, they offered the skip the game rewatch of the Super Bowl. So for people who are only interested in commercials, you can record the game and then an hour after the game, go back and watch only the commercials. Boo. Well, now this would have been a great idea for the people who like commercials. I don't know. Ten years ago. Now. If you just want to watch the commercials, just have your phone. Like Entertainment Weekly was doing a live blog of all the commercials. The commercials break on the the game and then are immediately flooding Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. It's all over there. It's a product that nobody needs. So TiVo, I'm putting in the box for two minutes. Then I'm pausing live TV and then rewinding and putting in a box for two more. TiVo, double minor for... Bad idea. All right. That's all the time we have for today. If you haven't done so already, uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, if you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around. New shows every Wednesday full of weird news. Um, what else? Oh, follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will be back next monday after we fully recovered from the celebration of andy reed's glorious victory have a great day at work everybody we're out of here <laughs> <laughs>